Welcome to the podcast of America This Week, courtesy of the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. If you want to listen to more, subscribe to Sirius XM and tune in on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. We're back. You're listening to America This Week. Uh, I'm Father Matt Malone, Editor-in-Chief of America Magazine. I'm joined by Father Eric Sundrup and Zach Davis from our editorial staff. We're talking generally about the news and the views at America Magazine this week. Uh, And we're talking specifically right now with uh, Nathan Schneider, who is a contributing writer for America, and his cover story uh, about how the presidency uh, has really come to occupy a place in our political and moral and spiritual imagination that is bigger than it should be. And uh, we're delighted to have him on the line. How are you, Nathan? Good, good. It's uh, great to be back on the show. Yeah, indeed. So uh, what was this article about, and, um, uh, and, and why did you feel the need to write it right now? Well, you know, actually, um, this uh, uh, one of my anxieties while writing it was that I was uh, doing a little self-plagiarizing. This is a topic that I've come back to uh, over and over in articles for America. Um, even some of the language was something that I had um, uh, been uh, using during the Obama years. Uh, and so in, in one sense, this is uh, an anxiety that uh, about the presidency that is kind of, um, uh, in my mind, separate from whoever happens to be the president. But I think uh, at a moment uh, like uh, like ours right now, uh, it matters more. And that's the question of, of how much attention we pay to the president and how much power the president has. And, and this article suggests that we've really gotten out of hand in both directions. And I think uh, the presidency of Donald Trump really exacerbates this, uh, this concern, though it's, it's not unique in, in reflecting it. This uh, sense in which a president, you know, which that title just means someone who presides, who watches over. And that, that was very much uh, part of the idea in the framing of that office uh, uh, in the early years of, of the United States of America. Um, and in the centuries since, we've drifted into a presidency that is more and more powerful and that consumes more and more of our attention, uh, more and more of our of our spiritual energy, uh, so to speak, that could be directed uh, in other areas of our civic life. Yeah, and it's interesting because... Uh you know, I mean, there's been a, a debate going on for decades in this country about whether the office of the presidency has become too powerful. And, you know, Arthur Schlesinger coined that phrase 40 years ago, the imperial presidency, and uh, how over time all of this power had accrued to the office that uh, he was free to exercise uh, without constraint for the most part. But that was an argument that was taking place uh, mainly among political scientists or philosophers. And what I thought was interesting about your piece was you, you, you really approached this from the point of view of, uh, of, of, of Christianity or your own spirituality and asking, you know, has this become an idol, right? Is it, mm-hmm. is it uh, and is, is there a cult around uh, this office? Well, yeah, because it comes down to what we as people can do and be and how we think, you know, how, how our, uh, our, our picture of the world is shaped, you know, and, and, um, uh, I, I took as an example at the beginning uh, a, a town called Lucca in Italy, where uh, during the Middle Ages, uh, when the, the city was a republic, they actually crowned, uh, you know, a statue of Christ, uh, the king of of uh, a Lucca, to prevent any human person from claiming that that space. Are you suggesting um, we do the same? 
I, I'm not, 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 not uh, given the kind of, you know, wonderful well, you pluralism and dynamism of, of American society. Right. But I, I think the analogy is helpful. And I think certainly for a Christian, uh, there is that need to recognize that, yes, God is, is uh, if there is a king, if there is a, a, an ultimate authority, it's, it, of course, it must be God, it must be Christ. Um, uh, and, and that's what um, the Feast of Christ the King is about, right? Absolutely, yeah. you know, and, and and to recognize that that every other you know claim to power and authority you know must uh, 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 take some deference uh, to, toward toward that, and and um, and then it comes down to who we are and what we can do, and you know I I think for instance of um, you know I think some people are very excited about this moment where you know lots of people are reacting to things that the president is doing, whether it's you know separating families at the border or or uh, uh, saying uh, things that people find uh, offensive or about particular ethnic groups and and uh, and and women and 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 more. And you know there's this kind of mobilization around reaction, and and that's actually. Um, in some ways, there's excitement there, but it's also kind of troubling um, because it's it's all built around a ra- uh, reaction and a, and attention getting, and um, I'm not sure that that's the best way to build uh, 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 strong democratic citizens. You know, I, I remember once being in a room full of lifelong activists. You know, some of the heroes of many movements uh, uh, in the U.S. in recent decades, and and they each introduced themselves. And as they did, they introduced they they each started not with any coordination with a story in their early lives where they made a difference, where they did something, uh, in, you know, largely in their communities or you know in a region or or in a certain sector. And um, it was on that sense of having accomplished something for themselves uh, and their communities that they were able to build a life of of uh, doing change work. None of them uh, talked about, you know, an initial moment of outrage or, or um, a reaction to a particular person. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, I, I'm worried about the kind of politics that we're building uh, when we're stressing reaction so much. You're listening to America This Week on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. I'm Father Matt Malone, editor of America. I'm joined by Father Eric Sundrup and Zach Davis from the editorial staff. We're talking with Nathan Schneider about his piece, How to Survive Trump and the Cult of the Presidency, which uh, Nathan is arguing that the presidency has really gotten too powerful and occupies too big a space in our imagination. And Nathan, you're talking about activism. Uh, one of my the most painful experiences for me actually was my own experience in the Occupy Chicago movement. One of the first meetings I went to, I witnessed sort of a direct vote, democratic vote on an issue. Um, and it's slow and it's painful and can be held up by a lot of different things. Um, and, and at times I found myself wishing that there was just someone in charge who could sort of, you know, squelch debate and make a decision. Uh, I think some people do feel that there needs to be sort of this uh, unitary executive in order to get things done. What would what would you say to that? Well, I think there's still a space for leadership, and there's still um, you know a space for people to uh, 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 play a kind of guiding and leading role in any kind of democratic process. But I think it's very dangerous when we uh, turn to one person for that um, authority in every in every measure. 
Um, you know, I think it would be great if there were particular people, you know, for instance, in Congress or in, you know, the executive branch who, who, who were really pushing a particular issue and leading people along the lines and inspiring people uh, uh, in, uh, uh, around a vision. Uh, you know, I think leadership is, is essential. And certainly those kinds of, you know, activist uh, uh, settings, you know, where people are kind of foregoing leadership almost uh, uh, to a fault, um, uh, I, I think belie that. They, they remind us how much we need uh, uh, moments of leadership. But I, I think it's really dangerous when we've turned to the president, to one person, uh, uh, to provide leadership on every single issue. You know, one thing that is striking is that just as recently as the administrations of Eisenhower and Kennedy, presidents weren't expected to go to every disaster and console the victims, right? The, the, the understanding was that that was FEMA's job. You know, the, the head of FEMA was the governor's to job, do that. right, yeah. Right. Exactly, exactly. Right. And and I think part of it is that we now we've lost so much of our local and regional media that all of our media is national and it's focused so intently on the national leader as a result. And so the governor just going would be unsatisfying to that media because, right. you know, these reporters don't even know who the governor is. <laughs> right. And I think it's it's so interesting that you so important that you mentioned the media because, uh, you know, they they exist in a for-profit marketplace where they are trying to create mass markets for advertisers, and they have to feed a 24-hour news cycle. And um, and that, whatever that means economically, it, it's not great for uh, civil society because it means that we are constantly talking about politics in the way that ESPN is constantly talking about sports, uh, and and not even in a uh, necessarily structurally dissimilar way. And uh, it, you know, when people always say to me, well, American politics has always been polarized, it's always been partisan, it's kind of always been nasty. And I was like, yeah, but for three months when you fought an election and then everybody went back <laughs> right to their farms and to their state houses or their lawyers' offices or whatever and uh, governed for the next three or four years and then you fought another election. But here it's a part of our whole, it's a part of our whole life. It's like our national pastime. Yeah, and, and you know, that's one reason why I, I suggest uh, in, in the article, for instance, that um, you know, r- rather than doing away with the Electoral College, which many people um, have been calling for since the election of Trump, um, you know, mainly those who wish the election had gone another way, um, maybe we should have a, a, a more prominent place for something like the Electoral College to make the election less of a uh, kind of constant fixation of everybody on the, uh, uh, you know, in the country, and rather instead be something that is kind of handled procedurally and instead, people focus more on their local elections and their regional elections, and and uh, have to direct their attention to uh, areas of of their political life that are more kind of close to home and that will actually affect their lives probably more directly anyway. Yeah, Nathan, I'm, I'm interested. You this this problem with this president or strongman um, set up dictator. You, you, this is not just the United States. You in your article mentioned a number of different places and talked about how they're using social media to play into a strategy to keep us paying attention paying attention to them, sort of just reacting to what they're doing every day. Yeah, I mean, there's been such a shift in the last few years where, you know, around 2009, 10, 11, 
um, there was this uh, pattern that seemed to be appearing where social media was kind of on the side of movements and on the side of, of grassroots efforts for change and embarrassing powerful people. And, you know, some of that is still happening. But um, in the years since, more and more regimes have um, have come to become very sophisticated with these tools. And, and actually, these same tools are now uh, appear to be much more uh, 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 allies th- than enemies for uh, people who are centralizing power uh, and and manipulating it, and they've really learned how to use these tools. and And this accompanies a moment where around the world we're seeing erosion of democratic institutions, uh, uh, courts, and independent journalism, and uh, you know a range of such institutions. Um, and 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 it's a pattern that uh, you, you know, which in the past the U.S. has often played a bulwark against, uh, been a bulwark against, and, and now we seem to uh, be embracing it, at least at the highest levels. And uh, uh, and the, the role of, of social media in, in enabling this is a mystery that I think we're still, uh, uh, we're still kind of learning uh, to, to unravel and understand, but uh, it's certainly a reversal of what seemed to be the case just a few years ago. Do, do you, I mean, you noted it's kind of a mystery in some sense, but what do you think are some of these causes for that shift? <laughs> Well, a, a great deal of, of money and energy um, has been put into uh, into enabling this. So, uh, a great many people who uh, have uh, you know technical sophistication are being hired by uh, authoritarian regimes around the world. This is where the money is now. Um, to uh, create bots and artificial intelligence, sometimes simply uh, farms of, of um, people uh, uh, posting things on Twitter and other social networks um, uh, who are uh, manipulating processes, who are recognizing that, you know, the old form of authoritarianism was one in which we suppress things that we don't like. Any form of, of um, dissent is suppressed and silenced and made to look as if it doesn't exist. The new form is allow everybody to say everything they want, uh, you know, embrace confrontation um, and just turn it into the drama in which the authoritarian wins and uh, have a huge farm of Twitter trolls who are who are making it look like the authoritarian is winning. Um, this is something that we're seeing repeating all over the place where we're seeing much less in the form of censorship uh, and much more in the form of kind of uh, uh, pile on and um, and and uh, uh, drowning out. Yeah, there's two ways to silence someone. It's either shut them up or shout louder than they do. Right, or right. A, and, a and, whole and farm this, of this people again, to shout louder. you know, reminds us how important our attention. Our attention is, you know, a kind of critical currency right now. And, and, it's, uh, and it's something that should be of concern uh, to, uh, uh, to Catholics in particular. You know, Catholicism, in a sense, is a religion of attention. It's, a, it's an architecture of where we should put our energy, you know, how we should order our day and, and what we should be uh, uh, focusing on as we go through it. And, and, uh, and and th- this politics of attention is really coming to the fore in this new authoritarianism. Nathan, uh, I'm curious to hear what you think about whether or not this is going to get better or worse. I think uh, Gore Vidal said after Reagan was elected that the new standard was going to be whether or not you were good on TV or not, w- if it made you qualified for the presidency. Uh, now is, is the new standard going to be whether or not you can tweet really well? 
<laughs> well, I, I, I don't I don't really make predictions, but um, <laughs> I, you know I think I think these tendencies can be used in all sorts of ways, and and they certainly don't have to be used in the way Obama used them or the way Trump used them. Um, I think we're you know we're still discovering the possibilities of these new media landscapes. Um, but one thing that um, I think is striking is that at the same time as this authoritarian shift is happening in political systems, um, there are more and more tools becoming available for a more distributed, democratic, um, you know, uh, multipolar world, Uh, uh, you know, tools like uh, uh, the blockchain technology behind Bitcoin, new governance technologies, um, uh, tools that are allowing more and more people to have their voices heard in more diverse ways. So, so even at this moment where the the uh, existing political structures seem to be um, uh, eroding in certain senses, I think there's a, a set of new possibilities that which are themselves very ambivalent. Uh, uh, that are that are emerging that 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 could uh, uh, offer a, a valuable alternative and a more relevant alternative to our moment. You know, it it seems to me that I mean, when I was growing up, there the the public discourse was really in the hands of elites, or it was managed by elites, right, by institutions and individuals, uh, mainly in in print and in, in newspapers and periodicals. Some element uh, in television, but it was a very much smaller world with three networks and PBS. Um, and of course, you know that the problem there was that uh, a lot of people couldn't gain entry to that conversation and couldn't be a part of it. And uh, there were whole populations of people who were not represented in it. Um, but I wonder sometimes whether the what we talk about today is the kind of collapse of the public discourses because. We sort of have the opposite problem now, in that the, it, it it doesn't seem to have any boundaries, right? And uh, and and you know, there we are uh, called upon to police ourselves in a sense, and um, or to you know to curate, self-curate our opinions. And whether that's really possible in a fallen world is an open question to me. I wonder what what are your thoughts about that, Nathan? Well, I, I'd like to think that we are. Um, uh, uh, you know, that we as human beings have the kind of dignity and capacity to, uh, uh, you know, be good citizens and, and good discursive uh, participants. Um, and, and I think many people want to be, including people who, who uh, you know, can sometimes seem like trolls. Um, and, and I think we have to learn how to do that. You know, we have to, in some sense, b- build tools and techniques to channel our energy in more constructive ways. Uh, and we have to learn some kind of habits of mind and practice uh, in order to do that. You know, I, I think uh, in a lot of respects, it's very good that there are so many more means of access to um, to conversation. But one thing that has been lost uh, 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 from that that earlier world that you're talking about, um, it, it wasn't just the Cronkites. It was also the local papers. You know, right. it was also right. the stuff that people could be involved in locally that they could touch and feel, you know, and know what it's like to know who, uh, uh, you, you know, to run into their city council member on the street and have a conversation with them, uh, have to encounter them as, as a person. Um, and, and that side of things, I, I think, could be supercharged by this, by this new, um, uh, 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 breadth of of uh, forms of voice, uh, but but um, it, it's in a sense a kind of economic laziness that uh, forces us, uh, you know, that drives us into a kind of centralization where even though we all have so many opportunities to be talking at 
so many levels of our lives we're all talking about the president. Right, exactly. And you see it even in uh, local broadcast media. Uh, you know, uh, 40 years ago, they would lead with a local story, and now they lead with the national story, and mm-hmm. uh, and that and that's that, because that's the go-to place, and that that's that, that's the starting point for the conversation. Because what happened in our national politics and with the president that day is the data we all have in common, right? Yeah, no, that it's right, and and you know we do need to have something in common, and that's you know that's a challenge, uh, but I think we need we need to right the balance, and, and you know here in Colorado it's been really exciting in the last few years, or especially the last few weeks, to see you know a kind of outright rebellion among our uh, some of our leading journalists against the the um, uh, hedge fund you know, the the private equity ownership of the of the uh, local newspapers, and and you know right after uh, I got off the phone with you, I'll be talking with um, some of the folks who are starting up some new uh, news organizations uh, uh, here in Colorado. And there's a lot of energy right now around trying to build uh, the kind of local media that we deserve. And that's it's just so exciting to see that kind of thing happen. It, it's, it's, it kind of shifts the focus, and it's something that we can really affect and, and really participate in more fully. Nathan, we're... Uh June 2018, uh, the midterms are coming up, but even after that, we're, I, I, we've already heard murmurings of what the 2020 election is going to be like. What can listeners do to maybe have a more constructive uh, campaign season uh, or be more efficient or constructive with their attention? I think the thing is to focus less on the electoral campaigns than on the things that you want to build in your communities and then let the electoral campaigns be a part of that. You know, build on the, the electoral campaigns uh, uh, as they're connected to the issues that you care about, to something that you can achieve. Um, and, and that shifts the focus. It becomes less about that sports game, you know, where you're just anxious about whose side is winning and more about achieving something in your community through that electoral process as just one uh, 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 strategy uh, of, of really making your life and the life of the people in your community better. Can you give an example well, in my own work, um, I've been uh, uh, in, a, in, in recent years working a lot in developing cooperative businesses in, in Colorado, as well as internationally, but uh, I've also been working a lot locally. And, um, and, and working with uh, policymakers through that lens, having conversations with them around that issue, um, has, has enabled me to have conversations with people who I might otherwise uh, have tuned out, who might otherwise seem like the other side. Uh, when we look at it through a particular issue, through something that is concrete and tangible, where we really both, where we all have something in common that we want to achieve, um, we, we suddenly start being able to have a conversation and some of those, those uh, uh, lines and blind spots uh, uh, start to start to fade away. You know, it's yeah. it's crazy in this country. Uh, uh, research suggests this that you know when, for instance, a Republican hears a Democrat talk about needing to do something about climate change, they say, yeah. "No way, we're never going to do that." That's that sounds crazy. But when they hear a Republican say it, um, they suddenly think, "Oh, that actually sounds like a really good idea." Right, <laughs> right. You know, exactly. we're totally blinded by right. by these partisan divides. If we were yeah. to focus more on the issues that connect us. Um, you know, our, our politics could be a whole lot more constructive and we'd have a whole lot less need for these kind of figurehead type people. Right, right. Well, Nathan Schneider is a contributing writer for America and he's a reporter and professor of media studies at the University of Colorado Boulder. Uh, Nathan, it's always great to have you on the show and thanks for your contributions to America. Oh, thank you. It's always a pleasure.
Um, that's always an interesting conversation, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there are a number of uh, cities and towns in Massachusetts right now that are debating about whether to keep the traditional New England town meeting, you know, where every registered voter can come and meet in the high school gymnasium and, and, and vote on the budget and talk about personnel and schools and all that stuff. And they all want to move to this strongman mayor uh, model and... Uh, I hope they don't, because I think Nathan is right about this. You've been listening to America This Week on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. You can follow all of the news and views at America Magazine at americamagazine.org. And at americamagazine.org forward slash Sirius, you can find links to all of the topics and articles we talked about today. And to subscribe to America, you can call 1-800-627-9533. That's 1-800-627-9533 for a smart Catholic take on faith and culture. For Father Eric Sundrup and Zach Davis, I'm Father Matt Malone. Thank you, and good day. Thank you for listening to the podcast of America This Week, courtesy of the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. If you want to listen to more, subscribe to Sirius XM. And tune in on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.